Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. My name is Brooke. If you're looking to grow in the faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful and fun Catholics who will speak the truth without compromise. Faithful and fun? Yeah, I think we're fun. Speak for yourself, I'm not fun. You've come to the right place. We're not experts, but we have learned a lot over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening, and don't forget to drop by TheologyOfTheBuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Welcome to the show. I was... Welcome to the show, nobody else. They might show up later. Maybe. When you said welcome to the show, I was I all of a sudden had like the the song Welcome to the Jungle, and then I was just like trying to like put the <laughs> words to the music, but it didn't work because <laughs> I don't listen to. Is that ACDC? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't do the voice. No, I'm not going to try. <laughs> welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yeah, guys. So welcome to the show. Guns is, and Roses. Oh, it's right? Guns and Roses. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. This is a great podcast so far. Yeah. Anyway, so it is Mike and I tonight. Hi, Mikey. How are you? I am great. Everyone else has abandoned us, but mm-hmm. we will carry on. We will persevere. No one has abandoned us. We never needed them anyway. <laughs> no. Life gets life gets crazy. Sometimes yeah. people are late. Sometimes people can't come. That's just the nature of life. Yeah. Sometimes people go to Epcot. Yeah. Don't invite the Canadians. Yeah. They went to Canada and didn't didn't visit us. That's right. They didn't. Shout out to Nick Job and his wife. I think they are celebrating a belated anniversary trip. I think their anniversary was this month. Yeah. Yeah. God bless those Jobs yeah. and their marriage. They would have been more blessed if we were invited to Epcot with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't go anyway. I'm too and, pregnant. <laughs> and by the way, Jobs, not that I have any right to bless you, but if you're listening, the blessing actually happened when I said it and not when you listened. That's a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So... We had a, a follow-up comment from Matt. Thanks, Matt, for being the greatest question asker of the audience, possibly only, but still the greatest. I'll read his comment. This is in relation to the blessings uh, yeah. episode that we did, the last episode. Previous episode, yeah, yeah, where we answered his initial question about priests blessing over mediums like podcasts and videos. The section beginning at 1530 seems to contradict the part that begins at 2910, and he's, or at least if I understand the later clarification, is the blessing a priest makes on a podcast video which you aren't watching live occurred and was transmitted to you at the moment it was recorded and not at the moment you consumed the media, which makes sense that even if I listened to the episode for the first time in 2044, or even if I never listened and heard the blessing on the podcast, I had received the blessing the moment the words were spoken. Yeah, that's pretty much true. I think that's where Father Steve landed. I agree. So. Yeah, that's how that's how I understood it at the end of yeah by it, the end of the episode. It did kind of contradict the initial statement, but I think it was more it was slightly misstated at first and then clarified later. I think what Father Steve was alluding to was not that. Every time, like, let's just say I re-listen to that episode. It's not like I could get, like, infinite amount of blessings, just assuming I have that podcast recording on repeat. Mm-hmm. It's that at the moment that the priest is saying the words of the blessing, 
that is when you are blessed. That's it. Yeah. That's the conclusion that we came to. That said, Mm -hmm. if there is some, I don't know, if there's some information that would be better at clarifying it, I would happily accept it. (laughs) No, there's no possible way anyone could know better than me. I am 100% correct. So I had a fun little icebreaker idea for tonight. Mm -hmm. If you had to write a book about me and our other co-host, and also about our other co-host, since they're not here right now, we can get away with it. What would you name the title of the books? This is a good question. Let's see. It'd be a a book about a a motley crew of heroes. It'd be like a, how about this? Man and man and man and man and woman and woman. He created them. Theology (laughs) of the body. (laughs) Nice. Not not scandalous at all. Some polygamist out there is like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I forgot Aaron and Matt. So it's actually man and man and man and man and man and man (laughs) and woman and woman. It gets so much weirder. Stop. (laughs) Too spicy. Nobody suggests this idea to the current (laughs) Vatican. Oh my goodness. See, if I was. There'll be a fake dubia about it within a month and they'll be releasing a document that technically doesn't allow you to do anything you want but so if i had to if i had to write a book about mike like a biography about mike the title of the book would be let me just adjust my glasses <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a insider anime joke where it's like you'll see a character just like push up their glasses on the ridge of their nose and it looks like they're thinking something really, really smart or I don't know, they're scheming or they're about to drop like a truth bomb or something like that. Yeah. It's like the nerdy character signature move. Yeah. And either glasses. Yeah. And then sometimes you adjust glasses and then you can't see their eyes or you can see their eyes. And it kind of depends on if they're like a good guy or a bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. They push their glasses up and then the glare hits them. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'd call the title of your book. Let me just adjust my glasses. (laughs) And then I think if I had to write a book about Tim or a biography about Tim, I didn't think long and hard about this, but I wanted to say the wheels on the car go wee 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 wee. What? Because he's a he's a paramedic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I might need to call a paramedic after that one. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with it? <laughs> uh, I think my heart stopped. From that. <laughs> Stop thinking about Tim, Mike. Come back to us. Come back. and then i think if i had to write one about chris it would be something really like deep and melancholic like and sanguine yeah maybe cries and sanguine a denial about melancholy a book about chris (laughs) (laughs) pinnick the man who thought he was melancholic a sanguine biography. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would you do for Tim and Chris? Chris's book would be called I'm Not Sorry. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tim's book would be an ode to Alabama barbecue. And it actually wouldn't be about Tim. It would be just a veiled, like, you know how writers just put in that thing that they like? Mm -hmm. Like, it would all be about my love for Alabama white sauce. And only vaguely about Tim sometimes. (laughs) It'd be like, there'd be like a final chapter where it'd be like, if you were paying attention, you would know this is all about Tim and Alabama barbecue. Yeah. Sponsored by Dukes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and you know what I would call Nick Job's book? Let me just pick this up and put it down again. Nice. I would call mine the book of Job. That's way better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) It would all be about how he had a massive factory um, making Cincinnati spaghetti and a whole industry built around it. And then he lost everything. I don't think he'd be upset about that, though, because I don't even think he likes Cincinnati spaghetti. And that would be the sin for which he lost everything. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hey, Mike, this is great. I'm happy that you're here on this episode with me. Yeah. We're here together. Insert communion segue here. Um, together around the table of the podcast. That's so Nova sort of <laughs> We're here at the supper table with our family and friends. Yeah, so the last liturgical breakdown episode, we had just finished discussing the Agnus Dei. Let me just peel open my missile here. Now we have the prayers leading up to the priest's communion, right? Yeah, and these prayers are different than what you hear at the Novus Ordo. Some of them are the same, but some are different. Yeah. Mike, would you mind reading for us the first prayer and giving us a little bit of a summary of maybe what happens? This first prayer, I think, is pretty much the same. Novus Ordo. O Lord Jesus Christ, who did say to thy apostles, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Regard not my sins, but the faith of thy church, and vouchsafe to her that peace and unity which is agreeable to thy will, who livest and reignest God forever and ever. Amen. Sorry, inserted world in there. I don't know if there's a slight variation or if it's just the English translation. Yeah, I think it's just the translation. What I remember hearing in the Novus Ordo is grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will. So it's probably just a more traditional translation. That peace and unity which is agreeable to thy will. Yep. And then we have the Pax Tecum. Et cum spiritu tuo. And this is where we have a controversial and much disliked, at least to traditional-minded people, change. The kiss of peace in solemn high mass and the uh, sign of peace at the Novus Ordo. For those who aren't aware, in a solemn high mass, the celebrant kisses the altar. He says he says the Pax Tecum, and then he gives the kiss of peace to the deacon, which is like a little hug, kind of. It's almost like a bro hug. You just kind of like tap each other's shoulders lightly. Um, <laughs> and that was it. I believe in some places, the deacon also passes the kiss of peace onto the subdeacon and then possibly onto the server or other clergy who are sitting in choir. But this is replaced in the Novus Ordo with the sign of peace where 
the priest says, let us offer each other a sign of peace. And then the people just do whatever they want. I don't like that when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the thing is, like, the consecration has already happened. I think I've we've shared this before. We've discussed it probably many, many times. But yeah, consecration has happened. Like, Jesus is present in the Eucharist. They're on the altar and then all of a sudden we start, you know, people be hugging, people be giving each other kisses and high fives and awkward nods and handshakes. handshakes. And like, I understand what they were trying to do in that they were trying to emphasize people like reconciling with their fellow people around them. But that's really not how, <laughs> that's not the time to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm. it, I think most people treat it as a little bit more of a greeting than as a sign of, I don't know, offering forgiveness or making things right with people. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know how much of this is just culture. Probably most of it is just Novus Ordo culture. Yeah. But like, there's no sense of the sacred during this part of the mass. Not really. Yeah, it's very nobody's distracting. Nobody's doing a solemn liturgical action. It's just, hey, let's take a break from the mass and chat for a minute. So getting back to the prayers that are said here. Okay, so the second one begins the same way. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who according to the will of the Father, through the cooperation of the Holy Ghost, hast by thy death given life to the world, deliver me by this thy most sacred body and blood from all my iniquities and from all evils, and make me always adhere to thy commandments, and never suffer me to be separated from thee who with the same God the Father and the Holy Ghost livest and reignest, world God forever and ever. Amen. I keep trying to say world to that end. Pulling out an excerpt from The Latin Mass Explained by Monsignor George Mormon, he has other stuff to say about the First Communion Prayer, but I'd like to just touch on this section for the Second Communion Prayer. Also, if you haven't bought this book, seriously, it is so worth the investment to just understand things. Like every time I read through it, when we're preparing for one of these episodes, I, I learned something. It really helps you understand why things are being said and why things are being done. You know, it's not just, it's not just flowery language that we use. There's a, a purpose for it. Anyway, so quote, the text of this prayer reminds us that the work of the redemption was accomplished by Christ according to the will of the Father and through the cooperation of the Holy Ghost. The Father did not spare his only begotten Son. The Son, out of love for the Father, agreed upon the plan of redemption, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Holy Ghost cooperated in this work, for by the Holy Ghost Christ offered himself unspotted unto God. This prayer reminds us that we should approach Holy Communion professing our faith, for as often as you shall eat this bread and drink the chalice, you shall show the death of the Lord. It reminds us that we should not lose sight of our unworthiness. End quote. So each of these prayers is said for a reason. The first prayer is a call for a prayer for peace. The second prayer is a prayer for sanctification. The third prayer, a prayer for grace. So each of these prayers is to help us prepare ourselves as we approach our Lord in the Eucharist. What's the third prayer, Mikey? I will read it. I really like this one. Let not the partaking of thy body, O Lord Jesus Christ, which I, unworthy, presume to receive, turn to my judgment and condemnation, but through thy goodness may it be to me a safeguard and remedy, both of soul and body, who with God the Father and the unity of the Holy Ghost livest and reignest, God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> what is this? We are joined. Hello, Tim. Hey. Yay! Hi, Tim. Tim joins us. 
Hey. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Good to have hey, you. Hey, sorry for the late arrival there. All good, man. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, good idea. Ask Tim the icebreaker question now. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let's do it. Okay, go for it. Okay, so if you had to write a book about your co-hosts, so a book about Mike, a book about Chris, a book about Joe, a book about me, what would you name those books? Oh, gosh. Uh, so let's start with Penny, since it was just his birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Uh, 101 uses for beard oil. <laughs> nice. Mike, let's see. You're, you're a tough one. I should have I should have waited on you. <laughs> 101 uses for uh, bald head polish. Practical Tomism and how it relates to beer making. Nice. <laughs> Accepted. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh Brooke would be homemaking in the apop- in the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Home- nice. <laughs> And Nicholas Job would be for the love of all things good. Why did you not come to Pittsburgh? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that it, one. It would just he be- is so salty about that. And I love every bit of it. Yeah. It would just, it could just be a picture of him like standing by like a, like a, a rain covered window pane with the smallest cup of coffee. <laughs> Just a little tiny, tiny <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is the finest espresso I'll have you know. That'd be Guys, I'll, I'll let you know that not one of you is more than 12 hours away from Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, no. excuse. Yeah. Meanwhile, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. he just visited Canada and didn't even come see us. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that he was doing an around-the-world tour not too far from where I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to be down there next month, uh, February, one of the weekends in February. Uh, I'm taking my kid down to Animal Kingdom. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, Yeah, it's essentially a zoo with roller coasters, so life is good. (laughs) Nice. Sounds fun. I'm going to go back to these prayers because I, I had two things I want to say mm-hmm. about the um, prayers before communion and the slight differences in the Novus Ordo, at least according to this source that I'm looking at here. So we noted that there were three prayers, right? The prayer for peace, prayer for sanctification, and the prayer for grace. In the Novus Ordo, there's a, an or here mm-hmm. between the prayer for sanctification and the prayer for grace. So it seems that only one of them is said quietly by the priest. And Mm -hmm. the prayer for sanctification is, as far as I can see, unaltered. But the prayer for grace has a very significant and intentional edit where the priest no longer calls himself unworthy. Okay, so here's the Novus Ordo version as I'm reading it. And this is from Latin Mass Society of England and Wales. May the receiving of your body and blood, Lord Jesus Christ not bring me to judgment and condemnation, but through your loving mercy, be for me protection in mind and body and a healing remedy, which is a great prayer. And it does acknowledge the possibility of being brought to judgment and condemnation because of an unworthy communion, which is very praiseworthy. That's a thing that you don't often see in Novus Ordo. But if you look at the version in the Latin Mass, 
It says, Let not the partaking of thy body, O Lord Jesus Christ, which I, unworthy, presume to receive, turn to my judgment and condemnation. But through thy goodness may it be a safeguard and remedy. So that whole clause about I, unworthy, presume to receive seems to be cut. Mm -hmm. Very strange. Yeah. I I think it's kind of a mirroring of the editing of the prayers before the altar, where you have essentially none of those in the Novus Ordo where the priest is acknowledging his unworthiness to even offer the mass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here again, you have that unworthiness, the acknowledgement of unworthiness being taken out completely. Unfortunately, this is another example of theology by way of editing. Yeah. I was just going to say, this is one of the more egregious ones because it's just the unworthy part that's taken out from mid sentence from the same prayer, right? Like it's one thing to mm-hmm. say, Oh, the prayers at the foot of the altar are a medieval accretion and we need to get rid of them. And oops, we got rid of the priest acknowledging his unworthiness, but that's not our intention. This has very clear editorial intent. You just took the one part out of the middle of the sentence that you didn't like. (laughs) There's no getting around why that was done. I think it points to how, I hate to use the word prophetic, but essentially prophetic, then Joseph Ratzinger, you know, soon to be Pope Benedict, when he talked about the Pope as a cultivator of the liturgy, as opposed to a constructor of the liturgy, you know, this is one of the points where you see them instead of taking out pruning shears, it was chainsaws, wrenches, and construction equipment. Yeah, exactly that. So do you want to move on to the communion of the priest? Yeah, let's, let's move on to the communion of the priest then now. So, first prayer, the priest genuflects, and after rising, he says, I will take the bread of heaven and call upon the name of the Lord. He does mm. the uh, domine non sum dignus, holding the host. He says the, uh, the words of the centurion, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. And he says this three times, striking his breast with bells rung each time. And that's to draw like our attention to basically that act, right? Yes. That line really feels like a fusion of Old and New Testament. I mean, it's got a very psalmific, I don't know if that's even a word, but a, a psalm-like, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Yeah, which is repeated, I don't know how many times throughout the Psalms. And then you move from there directly to the centurion. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that one, that feels like that is a prayer that is very much showing continuity. Not to mention the, the term bread of heaven kind of recalling manna. Oh yeah. That's, that's exactly where my mind went when I heard it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've got the manna, you've got the bread on the altar in the temple, you know, you've got the offerings of Melchizedek. I just, yeah, it just it connects everything together with a straight line. I found the line that I was looking for um, in regards to the third communion prayer. And going off of what you were just saying now of like the priest acknowledging his unworthiness to receive the sacrament. So, quote, This unworthiness of which the priest makes mention does not refer to mortal sin, for to communicate in this state would be sacrilegious. But it refers to the many imperfections and frailties to which poor human nature is heir. Mistrusting himself on account of his repeated falls, the priest prays that the reception of the sacrament may not be to his condemnation, but full of confidence in him 
who has said, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He expresses his hope that the reception of the Eucharist would be a safeguard and remedy both for soul and body, end quote. Yeah, so it's calling to mind that the priest needs to keep himself in check. You know what I mean? Like the sacrament that he is offering to God, right? He takes a lot of weight of that on that, on his own soul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, for a priest with the uh, with the old rite, it must be incredibly humbling if you're kind of following along with the Teresa of Avila and the whole, you, you know, must remember what you're saying and who you're saying it to. Because, I mean, if they're fully cognizant of the words that they're saying and giving them due consideration, that has to weigh very, very heavily every time you say Mass. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing, too, that you'll see is after these prayers are done, the altar servers say another confidior. Ah, uh, that's a 55 thing. Oh, okay. In the 55, the altar servers. <laughs> yeah, but they a lot do- of people will say... The, that confidior still privately from, yeah. from the 1955 mm-hmm. just because it was it was good. If you think about it, it's like, yes, you say the confidior at, at the very beginning, but it's like, I don't know, it's like it's like a double measure, right? To make sure between then and that moment, just before you were receiving the Eucharist, you're calling to mind anything that maybe could be preventing you from receiving in a state of grace. Yeah. Right. And let's be honest, like, what are the chances that we made it from the first confidior to communion without having a, a lapse in attention or getting losing our patience with a kid or something like that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely humbling when you see the uh, altar service during the confidior again it's like bro i've been watching you the entire time like (laughs) you haven't been punching each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah you guys are doing good yeah (laughs) they're like yeah i I scratched my head one confession still going on in the back aaron said i have to have my hands folded it's a beautiful thing though like uh just really really working on preparing preparing your heart yeah that attitude of like seeking perfection right Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I feel like nowadays certain people would describe it as neo-Pelagian, but really I think it's just like having a due diligence in seeking for that perfect communion to receive all the grace that God wants to give you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Okay, so what part are we at now then? We've done that. The actual communion of the priest the very last prayer before he receives the host he says may the body of our lord jesus christ preserve my soul unto life everlasting amen that's the prayer just before he receives yes and then he receives the uh, sacred host and then there are two prayers that go along with the reception of the precious blood i'll just read those now first says what shall i render to the lord for all he hath rendered unto me I will take the chalice of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Praising, I will call upon the Lord, and I shall be saved from my enemies. And then, before receiving the the chalice, he says a similar prayer. May the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve my soul unto life everlasting. Amen. Again, it's very, like, Old Testament-esque, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Same as the previous one. This one also sounds like it's right out of the Psalms. Mm Mm-hmm. So after that, that's when the priest will turn, right? And he will say, Eche on you stay, Eche qui toli peccatamundi. Yes. And to which um, we we would respond, Domine non sum dignus unitres subtectum meum setandum dig verbo et sanabiter anima mea. 
three times. And if you are eight and a bit years old, you very, very um, vibrantly smash your fist against your chest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually, our daughter does like a really huge arm sweep and just like smacks it against her chest. <laughs> we have told her you don't have to do it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> save it for Lent, kid. Save it for Lent. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she knows all the Latin words yet, but she sees like yeah other people like doing this gesture, and she just like has to go way over that's, the top. <laughs> that's the that's the fun part for a sanguine. Yeah, yeah. Do a big arm motion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're bringing these up because it is quite different. This prayer and the reception of Holy Communion than what you would see at the Novus Ordo. Oh, yeah. Now, the priest will say, behold the Lamb of God, behold um, him who takes us away the sins of the world. Yes. But And then, um, I don't, uh, what is what is the prayer you say after? I haven't been to Novus Ordo. Yes, uh, Lord, isn't it, uh, Lord, yeah. I'm not worried that you should enter under my roof, but only no, say the word and I shall yeah. be healed? Yeah, and you just say it once. Yes, it's the same prayer yes. only one yeah. time. Right. Yeah, then, it's it's very similar to the Latin prayer mm-hmm. that's very, yeah. Yeah, but then at the reception of communion, so like if you're at the Latin Mass, the priest would say, may the body of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve thy soul unto life everlasting. And he would say amen on our behalf and um, place the Eucharist on our tongue. Whereas at the Novus Ordo, the priest or extraordinary minister, I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Eucharistic yes. minister? I, lay person or something. Yeah, we'll say body of Christ in which you would say amen <laughs> and either take the host in your hand or some people will receive on their tongue. Um yeah. It's a very different the approach. The way they say it is often so banal, too. It just hurts me. My sixth grade teacher, who was often a extraordinary minister, would say, Body of Christ, Michael, oh. came up. And I was just, I mean, even as a little kid, I would cringe really hard at that. Because, like, I'm not here to talk to you. It's a, it is a different approach. Like, I, I don't know if that's the right word, but... Different vi- is one word for it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like, think about how the reception happens, like with, yeah. you know, on on the tongue, kneeling at an altar rail where the priest says this this little prayer before giving us, you know, the Eucharist. And then the alternative is standing in a line, walking up to a priest or whoever else happens to be helping him that day. And I don't know, there's like a weird exchange there i don't know i'm overthinking it too much it's just it is different the the differences are really interesting like going back and forth for a while the differences are amazing sometimes because like as much as you feel like with the novus ordo it's like oh i'm in this line it's almost i hate to say lunch line but it almost feels like a lunch line kind of situation in school and then and the excuse for doing it that way i think is supposed to be efficiency yeah but man when you're at an altar rail that moves so fast uh, and you get people kneeling, 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 and they're just going back and forth across and it's like, and it's so fast and there's so many precautions that are taken at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's that's, that, that's very, very thing. different ways. And yeah, the whole like, experience they almost have nothing to do with each other. It's like, yeah, seeing just even seeing body of Christ. Amen. Like get them in, get them out. Like, let's go, you know, keep the lines moving. 
type. And I know I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to like, that's just how it feels. I know that might not be exactly the aim, but dang, dang. <laughs> I still say for reverence and efficiency, altar rails are the way to go. And patents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to use patents even at the Novus Ordo. It's just that, I mean, our diocese hasn't heard of actually doing things right in the Novus Ordo in a lot of of rubrics. Rubrics, what are those? Yeah. The other interesting thing is, too, and I think most of the, like, most of the books that we have, if you, say, cannot receive communion for one reason or another, on the page of the... um, like the little missile that I have from uh, St. John Cantius, it has a spiritual communion right there on that page. So, you know, if you couldn't receive because, you know, you haven't been to confession in a long time, or maybe it's been a long time since you even came to mass, you know, they got you covered. <laughs> they want you to pray and they they still want you to come to our Lord in a way that is appropriate and reverent. It mentions the spiritual communion at the time of the communion of the priest. Oh, okay. doesn't have it printed out in the middle of the mass. Oh, I see. Like that one does, but uh, it does mention it. How the reception of the Eucharist is handled in both rites, uh, in both, at both masses. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) I mean, uh, they're... Yeah, <laughs> we've talked. There's about there's we've, we've talked about this before, um, and Dr. Peter K would agree. But it's like, yeah, the they're it's so different. It's almost different in a jarring way. Like I went to yeah, I went to Novus Ordo Mass for the first time in a while, just because one of the kids was sick, and so we had to kind of do shifts there. And uh, yeah, it's it's different. It's different, man. Yeah, after a while, it gets hard going back and forth. Yeah. It's- yeah. On the Novus Order side, there is a promotion of spiritual communion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not something that's kind of been lost to the ages for for the uh, Novus Order side of things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same place where you have a lot of people who still come up to uh, get into the line and come up to the priest, deacon, Susan from parish council, or whoever happens to be at the front of the line for a blessing of sorts, mm-hmm. depending on who's doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but it definitely does have a very different place. Yeah. within the communities. Mhm. Like this is related to what you were t- you're talking about there. Um when Dr. Peter K was talking about people receiving under both species or people receiving under like just with the the precious the precious blood because of like celiac mm-hmm. disease or or um anything like that. And one of the things he was discussing was that the communicant should even be touching the chalice with their hands. Oh yeah. And, uh, then I was like, Oh yeah, wait, it gets scarier because then you're like all of the lay people that are, you know, distributing communion are holding the ciboriums, right? Consecrated hands for consecrated things. And I I mean, mean, they're handling the blessed sacrament. I know that, that too. It's, it's, it's just like multiple layers of stop. (laughs) Like, yes. In the instruction books for sacristans, Prior to the council, you know, they recommended white velvet gloves for what, when yeah. it absolutely had to be handled. Yeah. But otherwise, leave it for somebody who's consecrated. Yeah. The altar servers, after they're helping, you know, I, I don't know what the word is, like, take the the holy vessels to the sacri- sacristy for mm-hmm. them to be purified. They'll wear they'll wear the, the white gloves when they move the chalice or anything else. Yeah. And yeah, obviously what Mike was saying, like they should 
lay people shouldn't be handling the the Eucharist anyway, but it's just all these added things, right? You know, things that right. you don't, you didn't, I didn't really think about even, you know, going to Novus Ordo parishes when I was a little bit more traditionally minded, right? You didn't really think about some of those little details. I don't know. <laughs> I overthink everything. <laughs> I think we could probably do a good couple of episodes on communion in the hand just by itself again. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, I mean, we did one on it. Ladies and gentlemen, season two. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was season two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was an intense episode. But e- even now, mm-hmm. you learn more about oh, the yeah. histories. You learn more about, you know, sacred vessels you learn more about you know the importance of the priest the importance of, importance of consecrated hands why th- prayers are said the way that they're said why they're said when they're said and uh yeah there's there's so many added layers there you have it so hopefully the next liturgical breakdown will be starting at the ablutions that's a fun word mm-hmm. what does it mean again washing I think so tim's nodding his head yes yeah because I always thought lavabo was. It has. I don't know if it means much, but it has to. It has to do with the cleansings. Is there a, maybe maybe there's like a, a specific Latin word for like the cleansing of hands versus the cleansing of like objects? Does that make sense? Let's see what Webster's dictionary has to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. The act of washing oneself often used the formal effect. The women performed their ablutions. That's Oxford. So that's uh, that's straight from Tolkien there. So it's called ablutions because these are the prayers said while purifying the vessels. Mm, okay. So I was kind of right. Yeah. yeah. Latin- You're more than kind of right. <laughs> Teaching Latin to a third grader is starting to pay off. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> Evie, I don't That's know why you need <laughs> I don't know why you need to memorize all those words in that particular order, but we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> Yes. It'll be important later. (laughs) And if if there's one thing sanguines like, it's being told they have to do something with no explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're looking for a fight there. You're a sanguine, aren't you, Tim? Are you sanguine? I've got one of those mixed. It's sanguine, phlegmatic. I'm not sure which one comes first. Everybody's a little bit mixed. I don't don't know too much about it. I definitely, I definitely have some very strong sanguine tendencies. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you give me directions with no real explanation why, and I'm going to struggle at least a little bit. <laughs> mm, got it. Yep. That's kind of like Chris. He yeah, won't admit yeah. it, but he is like more more sanguine than melancholic, and it makes him so mad every time. <laughs> no, no, sanguines throw the best parties. But he he really wants to be melancholic, Tim. You don't understand. <laughs> Takes great pride in being. Why is it like a brooding romantic thing? I mean, has he just got like. It's (laughs) a hardcore emo kid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can, I guess I can buy into that. Rebecca St. James not calling him back. (laughs) Not the Chris Worth guy. (laughs) (laughs) Anymore. (laughs) So I don't know what the next episode was going to be. Liturgical breakdown may only need one more episode, possibly two, but that's a firm maybe on it being two. I think it might be done in one more episode, which would mean we would have covered the entire liturgy. That'd be pretty sweet. I think it's a massive accomplishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't count your uh, chickens before they're hatched, though. I I, I yeah. don't. Uh, I, over on the nervous order side, there's changes are coming. Oh, man. 
<laughs> I'd have to start all over again. <laughs> there might be a... You never know, we might get an even Novuser Ordo. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, yep. this is Liturgical Breakdown version 5. All right, let's just start at the very beginning, <laughs> comparing one to the other. <laughs> the synodal blessing of the trees. We and, and after the circus performance is done. <laughs> Put your hands up in the air. <laughs> woes and bridges and woes. <laughs> <laughs> Laser light show. The communal recitation of On Eagle's Wings. You know. <laughs> Remixed. <laughs> We're trying to get into a responsorial song. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what the next the next one will be. But I think one thing we did want to talk about in a future episode where our where our Catholic spicy hot takes. And I really hope we do that mm. for the final episode. I need to start writing some of those down. Yeah. Shoot, I just need to go through my Twitter account, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so many. Well, guys, thank yeah. you so much for this episode. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Brooke. We're really happy that you were able to join us, Tim. We were kind of sad, like, nobody's able to come. Where's Tim? Where's Chris? Oh, yeah. I Life happens. I got used to the 8, 8 p.m., Central time, and I totally forgot that we'd been doing it on Eastern time. Oh, so. yeah, that happens. Yeah, and I've yeah, yeah. And I, I just assumed I was like, oh, maybe he got called into work or something, or I don't know. I don't, no. I always I just always assume that there's a reason for everything, and I was like, oh, things just <laughs> happen. Life, life happens. Life is crazy, and yeah. we are very used to that. Tonight, he's sitting on his couch eating ice cream. <laughs> was it at least good ice cream? <laughs> it was uh, decent ice cream, but yeah, it was it was tasty. It I only needed a little bit to kind of like scratch the itch. Uh, Excellent. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, guys, until next time, I really hope that you stay, stay tratty. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. What are your thoughts on today's episode? We would love to hear from you guys. Message us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Find us on Twitter at Stay Tratty or email us at TheologyofTheBuddy at gmail.com. You can also send us a voicemail at TheologyofTheBuddy.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and rating and reviewing us if you're on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. New episodes are released every other Monday. We'll save you a seat at the table.